You're listening to Work It Mommy, where the goal is for all women, that is all women, no matter your age or your stage in life, to be the best version of ourselves. And if we happen to be moms, be the best mom ever and maintain our sanity while we do it. Okay, ladies, this is a heavy one today. Like, this is so heavy. (laughs) And... For me, sometimes when I get in these heavy situations, like this whole COVID thing that we're in right now, and all this controversy, I just have to kind of keep it lighthearted and just laugh a little bit just so I can get through it. And I'm sure you're probably the same way too. So anyway, that's going to kind of be my goal here through this conversation. It's going to be some parts where it's going to get heavy and other parts where I'm going to just try to just keep it light and airy for us. Okay. Um, how to deal with anxiety around this COVID situation, how to calm our anxiety about COVID, about the vaccines, okay? So first of all, we gotta not be angry about the decisions that others make. Right now, it's like, did you take the vaccine? No, I don't want the vaccine. You know, we just can't do it, guys. Like, We just can't do it. We're not helping each other by treating each other that way. We're not um, we're not doing anything constructive by being angry by the choices that others make. Some in our own families have even made choices different than ours. And I can understand that that could be frustrating. You know, you're coming from a good place. You you're trying to help. But ultimately, you know, everyone is going to make their own decisions so we got to be okay with that we got to just be like you know what I'm going to make the best decision for myself and you know respect others decisions so we got to stop being angry about it you know we can only control what we do and that sucks because what others do affects us so you know what I'm going to do here is I'm going to lay out some questions some questions that we all have about what's going on Um, And I'm going to address some of them and answer a lot of them, but not all. And the reason for that is because I want you to do your own research. I want you to sit down, like really sit down and figure out how you feel about the situation, the choices that you're going to make, the things you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what is the best thing for you. And then be happy with that. Be happy with your decision. Be confident in your decision. Okay. So first, to kind of attack anxiety, and you know, we have, you know, lots of information on anxiety. Now, first thing that we have to do is figure out what about this situation is causing me the anxiety? What about COVID? What about the vaccines is causing me anxiety? And for most people right now is getting the right information to make an informed decision, right? Because we all make decisions about simple things like, hey, what do I want to eat today? Mm, well, this place has this review and that place has that one. Okay, this is the place I want. That is like a normal process to go through. But right now in this whole COVID situation, we just don't have all the information and the information is kind of all over the place. So we want to make this good, you know, uh, decisions for ourselves and our families. And, you know, it's just hard right now. Um, Even sometimes if you try to just like share something to your stories or just ask a general question, I notice that you will get like the banner across that says, which is good, you know, um, refer to CDC for information. Um, 
And but the problem was is that like this past week the CDC you know at one point said hey don't travel and then hey go ahead and travel so that it's like been confusing you know what I mean and that is a little bit disheartening for some people when you know government officials like a government agency is like giving such mixed signals like that um, but that's okay it's it's okay we're gonna get to that and it's all gonna be just fine but before I get into this anymore I just want you to know that my goal here on this this podcast is to always be as unbiased as possible like give you the information that you need you know maybe some information that you maybe didn't run across or information to consider and then you do what you want with it sometimes I'll share my opinions on things um and everything but again the main goal is just to share the information and have an unbiased conversation and bring us all together like bring us all to a place where even if we don't agree with each other like you may be doing one thing someone else may do another we're not angry about it we're we're content and we're understanding each other so um i think it's important to do that and that's really what my goal is always on the podcast is to be fair like just be very fair with the way um i i present things so um again you know that was conflicting information that raised a lot of anxiety um you know for people with you know the conflicting information from the cdc you know this past week on travel and um at the end of this video i will share my personal um opinion like with how i'm navigating this whole covid situation and the vaccine so if you care to know like what i think hang out to the end of this episode um to see it'll probably be a pretty lengthy explanation so feel free to just end or fast forward or whatever you got to do but yeah so okay let's talk about what the government's role is because I think that anxiety that people got um I think if we understand what the role of the government is and why the information could be conflicting right now it'll help to ease that anxiety a bit so remember the government's job by definition is to protect and this definition um, I think I just got on like Webster's dictionary and it says governments are responsible for providing services that individuals cannot effectively provide for themselves hmm, okay so can we fix this COVID situation nope I don't have a lab I don't know that much about vaccine you know advancements and technologies I don't know how to do all that stuff. Like I can get information on it, but I don't have the know-how and the stuff I need to do it. So we can't fix this situation ourselves, guys. So we've got to, even though the government is giving us some misinformation and things are a little bit confusing, we have to understand that overall their job is to do the best for us, uh, to protect us, okay? And the way I can explain it is think about, you know, if you're a parent, okay, our job is to protect our children. And sometimes if there's something bad that's going to happen or something painful they have to endure, we may withhold some information, right? I'm going to just call it like it is because, you know, you got people saying they will never withhold information from us. The government is awesome. They're perfect. They do everything right. And other people are like, they just want to kill us. The government is horrible. They're just bad. Uh you got to be honest and say, okay, yeah, you know, their their job is to protect us. And there's information that we're just not going to be privy to. 
plain and simple. Just like if you ever worked a job, especially certain high-level jobs. Some of the jobs I had, there was information I just wasn't privy to. I was, you know, there to do that lower level function and that was it. So we're kind of low on the total poll here. The citizens, unfortunately, we're not going to have the information and that does cause anxiety, but we have to get to the point of being okay with that and making decisions based on the information that we do have. And actually, we've got more than enough information to make a good decision about how we're going to proceed for ourselves and all this. Okay. Um, so now the next thing we can do is we can analyze what is happening by asking those, those W questions like the, what, where, who, what, when, how, right? So what, what is COVID-19? What is mRNA vaccines? What are the variants? Oh my God, B117, eh, what is that? You know, which vaccine should I choose? The J&J, the Moderna, Pfizer, eh. Get information on those, like search out legit sources, go to CDC, go to those manufacturers websites, read through all of their published studies, really read them. If there's information in them that you don't understand, look up the definitions. Um, even some of those um, websites that I mentioned, you're actually able to call in and like speak with a rep and all that too, to even further get more information and get some of your questions answered. Um, you know, the news articles can give you a plenum preliminary glimpse but if you really want to dig deep and, and figure out okay what's in this and and when did this come out and how is this you know all those type of deeper questions you're going to have to dig deeper you know if you really want to know and you you know you for yourself and your own knowledge you should want to know okay now i do have a podcast episode that i did several months back on all the vaccines i go through the astrazeneca the moderna the pfizer like what the components are of all of them and you know um just what was available at that time i'll be honest with you i have been trying to do a covid uh, vaccine and just covid situation update for a while but the information changes so rapidly day to day that i couldn't even give up and so for a minute i just straight up gave up i was like man i can't even do this like every day like i outline what i want to say and then like i'd be like this is all outdated information so it's the delivery here today is going to be very random and just like bits and then just put it together and make it work for you okay i'm gonna do the best job that i can so if you're interested in knowing more about that you can check out that episode as well um where where does COVID happen okay it infects our nasal and our lungs, okay? And it is spread through breathing and inhaling, okay? The exhalations of somebody else who has it. So that huffing and puffing, <laughs> all that, that's how you get it. And that's a darn shame because breathing is so natural. Like, we just have to do that. We don't even think about it. Like, it's just breathing, yet it could be deadly, <laughs> You know, so it's just like, yikes. But um, it is subtle. It's sneaky. But we know definitively now that is how you get COVID. You breathe it in. Okay. You take it in from you. If you're standing less than six feet away from someone unmasked, you're in trouble, man. Trouble is on the horizon. It's coming for you. Don't do that. Wear a mask, you know, wear the mask, social distance, do all that stuff. 
Now, the reason I say that is because there's some people out there who are like still, you know, and I'm not saying you don't have to do this or like it, like it's not a good idea to do this. I'm just saying for me, based on the knowledge that's available now, you don't have to like leave your shoes outside. You don't have to sanitize like your floor every five seconds. Like COVID is spread through breathing. So unless you plan on like breathing your floor, like putting your nose down to your floor and like inhaling and someone just had covid on their shoe like that's how you would get covid from your floor so you know that alleviates a lot of stress knowing that the simple way that you get it is if you are standing within six feet of someone unmasked especially but sometimes even with a mask i hate to say it there is truth to that like you know it's not going to prevent you know 100 percent. you know although look at the nurses you know many of them are working on covid floors with their ppe their protective equipment and they're not getting it you know even before the vaccines were available because they do wear the mask so you know if the mask didn't work at all all the nurses would be dead by now you know what i'm saying so just like employ that logical thinking logical thought process um so yeah now um so now we know where we get it so it's it's not like at a place specifically it's anywhere that people are at because we're the ones who breathe okay so it's it's not like oh i can't go here because i might get covid like you could go out in nature if no one's there you know because there's no one else breathing there but you um so you know let that ease your anxiety a bit let that just you know mellow you out some now here's some other things that are giving us all anxiety when will I have to go back to work? You know, when will the pandemic end? When will they do this crazy passport thing that they're talking about? You know, like a vaccine passport. When will I be able to see my family again? Uh, why are people who are getting the vaccine, you know, still getting full blown COVID and having to go to the hospital too? Okay, and that's a tough one. And I want you to research that one farther on your own. But I will say this. Remember, COVID is spread by breathing. <sighs> that right there. Okay. So if you have the vaccine and you got one, you know, there are variants out there. And, you know, some of the vaccines do work against the variants. Some of them don't. But there's like a ton of variants out there now. So there's just so much to consider. Um, but... A vaccine still doesn't stop you from breathing. That's how you get it. Remember that. Okay. So you may be upset about that. Like, oh, I'm not getting the vaccine because people are still getting it, you know, even though they've, you know, gotten it. There is a little bit of truth to that. But at the same time, you got to remember you're getting the vaccine. It's still not going to stop anything from going into your nose, especially if you get the vaccine and you're like, oh, I don't need to wear a mask. I'm totally free now. COVID is still going to go in if you're exposed to it and it's going to do what it does. Now, if you've had the vaccine and it's working well for you and everything is doing what it should, you're going to have very mild symptoms. Some people may not even know that they have gotten it. Your body's just going to fight it off the end. Some people, maybe they get a hold to a variant, even though they've had the vaccine and it's just one that isn't really, you know, giving um, the vaccine isn't giving much protection. 
um, from that particular variant. There's a lot of things that go into it. So, you know, sometimes a weakened immune system is just a weakened immune system. Even if you've had the shot, if you're prone to being sick all the time, then you're still probably going to have some issues, even if you get the vaccine. Okay. It's not a cure all it's a help and I think that's how people need to think about it it's something that will definitely help you but it's not a 100% guarantee so if you're looking at it like that you're going to have a lot of anxiety and disappointment if something like that you know were to happen and everything okay now you know another thing you know why are people you know dying from COVID you know viral load some people just get exposed to a lot of it they have underlying conditions okay so that just makes it difficult okay and then some people are also having anxiety because people are also dying from vaccines hate to say it but that is also true too um i have heard of two myself personally not people that i have known specifically myself but people who have um known you know close friends of mine that have known someone you know maybe one was an elderly person who um you know had some existing existing conditions and the vaccine you know their body just wasn't strong enough to react in the way that it needed to if you are older or compromised no matter what it is be it uh, you know covid the flu you know the vaccine anything could take you out you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're that compromised, and I don't think we all realize how compromised some of us are, you know, just day to day, you know, walking around, you know, so for some people, it's not it don't take much to take them out, you know, so we just have to understand that and it's sad, you know, um, the other thing, you know, about the vaccine is that we have to understand, yes, there are some people dying from the vaccine, but this is a massive vaccination effort. This is being done worldwide. So just st statistically, excuse me, you're going to see people getting sick from it, you know, having reactions and even dying just because this is now how it's being rolled out. You know, like all the tests weren't done. And even if all the tests were done, you're still going to have people, you know, passing away just because it just didn't work for their body they had other things going on in their body and the vaccine just didn't mix well with that maybe they got a blood clot i know that's been the issue with astrazeneca um which side note in my video the other video i talk about i talked about some things that i particularly didn't like about the astrazeneca vaccine um and so I'm really not surprised that there that one has the most issues right now. And I'm not surprised based on the research that I had done months ago. Um, so research it, check it out. But, you know, it's a massive vaccination effort. So when, you know, you have millions of people, over 4 million people in the U.S. alone have been already vaccinated for um, COVID-19, you're going to see those types of numbers you're going to see people passing away from it. and I think what needs to happen is transparency about that and just say you know unfortunately it is a risk and we're going to talk about risk more in this how to accurately calculate a risk like what are my risks for this what are my risks for that because that's what the scientists and the doctors do they're 
very good at calculating risk. So it's a risk that we take. Um, you take that same risk when you get in a car every day. You know, you may get hit by a Mack truck and be done. You know what I'm saying? So it's just a risk that they take, you know, we take with taking the vaccines. You may have an adverse reaction and you may end up passing away. It's the truth. It is the absolute truth. Okay. So now um, let's get into how we can make some good decisions here that we can feel comfortable, confident with and get the anxiety down. So how do you make a good decision? Ask yourself that. Do you just like go by what your friends say? Oh, so-and-so got it. So I'm going to get the shot too. Or they ain't getting it. So I ain't getting it either. There is strength in numbers. And it feels good to like feel supported like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I don't think that should be your sole basis for making a decision either. You might be doing something that is so different than what everybody else is doing. And you can be okay with that. If it is a truly educated, like logical decision. You know what I mean? So, um, I suggest, okay, writing down on a piece of paper, the pros and cons of the vaccine for you, the pros and cons of getting COVID for you do what's called a risk assessment. Look it up online to see like some ways that you can, you know, do a really good risk assessment and take some time to figure it out. Mull it over. Um, you know, do the research. If there is someone that you trust their opinion, just kind of bouncing ideas back and forth can be helpful. You know, um, and again, this is what the doctors and scientists do. They collaboratively think. And but most importantly is they, they do these risk assessments. They collect data. And they're able to collect more information than us. All we can do is collect information, okay? They can actually collect data because they're able to run tests and do more than we can. So, you know, they're really great at making these these risk assessments, okay? So, um, you know, whatever you choose, you know, just proceed with caution and and really think about it, Okay. Now, what I want to do is I want to get into some information um, that I really want to share here on a screen share for you guys. So if you are watching this on YouTube, um, you will be able to see all of these visuals. If you are um, watch a uh, listening, excuse me, on podcast you will be able to hear all this but at some point if you want to jump over to youtube and take a look see there that could be you know something that you you know is helpful to you so first thing i want to share is um a really good article that i found on a rando website that kind of has nothing to do with this um it's called Masterclass, and um some of you guys might be aware that like these you know big wig people or whatever you know are doing these masterclass series and sharing their knowledge but anyway this article is nice because it outlines a really good way to make a good decision so it's seven steps of the decision making process decision makers must understand each part of step-by-step process that goes into making informed decisions first identify the problem okay the first step of effective decision making is to correctly identify the problem that must be solved so we've kind of done that in the outset of this podcast you know the problem is covid and the problem is vaccines like not the problem is vaccines but like do we get them do we not whatever so those are our issues those are what we're trying to figure out right so then 
okay you need to say this must it really does sound simple but it's impossible to begin working on a plan of action when you don't fully comprehend the question you're trying to answer so again those questions are going to be a little bit different for us for some of us, it might be, do I take the vaccine? Do I not take the vaccine? Um, you know, what are my risks of getting COVID? Should I change my job? So I'm like less likely to get COVID. All of these things. Okay. So identify what the problems are for you. Okay. Next, uh, collect data and information. Again, we mentioned that at the outset. After you've accurately identified the decision that must be made, it's time to enter the information gathering phase. Good decision making requires you to be as informed as possible and tackle the problem from all available angles. In business decision making, it's often helpful to talk to a group of people, you know, and so forth. Okay, you also want to do some outside source uh, research. Okay, and that's what a lot of um, research uh, companies will do is they will kind of like compare notes. So like with these um, vaccines, even like, you know, uh, Pfizer had their team of advisors, um, the people who put out all the the stats and information on the vaccine. And then they have another agency also review it. Um, it, that could be another pharmaceutical company, but then also the FDA. That's one thing that they do is they kind of are like unbiased eyes on the whole process to see like, okay, this is what, you know, this group of scientists said from this organization. This is what this group of scientists from this other organization said, and then they compare notes. And when you do stuff like that, that's where you kind of really find a solution, find what the truth is. So employ that similar, um, collection of data um, to your process with making your your decision on all this okay so the next thing we want to put down on our piece of paper is brainstorm all the possible alternatives so you know for for this situation with covid and the vaccines it's like okay what if i get it what happens you know how will my body react you know what are the potentials for a reaction what are the long-term risks um you know five seven years you know um those types of things and then what are the alternatives if you do you know will it lower my risk of getting covid especially depending on you know my line of work and and vice versa okay so think about what could happen on the pro side and the con side don't just think about what can happen if you do also think about what will happen if you don't okay so that's really going to give you an unbiased um decision making process and i have to say this the true strength of a person and the strength of their decision making process and, and like their mental savvy is can you make a decision that you don't actually want to do, but you understand is for your good and the good of others, even though though you don't want to do it. And for most people, that's very hard to do. Not many people will actually make a choice to do something that they don't actually want to do, even if it's the best thing to do. So think about that. More that over. Okay. Now, Weigh the alternatives. Wait a minute. Sorry, we did that one. (laughs) Okay, five. 
Take your pick. Once you've collected all the relevant information and analyzed the alternative, it's time to make that hard decision. If you follow through on your decision-making model, hopefully this final decision isn't actually too difficult. And I found that to be true. Like for myself, I've gone through this whole process. I'm like, okay, let me weigh this. Let me weigh that. Let me like write this down. And once I laid it all out, my decision, which I'll share at the end of all this, was pretty easy to make. And I feel pretty confident with it. I'm like, okay, I'm good with this. Okay, then you want to enact a plan. After completing your individual decision-making process, you'll need to develop a plan to put that decision into action. Now you get to play the role of the motivator and encourage yourself and others to implement your plan. Okay, and by others, I mean your immediate family or whatever like that. We're not trying to push our opinions on other people with this particular topic. Okay, um now uh last one review your decision once a certain amount of time has passed it's time to analyze the results of your decision now that can be interesting okay when examining your own decisions it's crucial to remain objective and not fall prey to confirm confirmed bias excuse me um i forgot about that term confirmed bias look that up if you don't know what that means it's a good one Did your decision achieve the desired results? If it feels like you made the wrong decision, review each step of your decision-making process and see what went wrong. Did you gather enough information? Are there ongoing processes that need to be changed in order to improve your results? And so on. Okay, so that was really an excellent um, breakdown of how to make a good decision on masterclass.com. Hey, I felt like that worked, so I went with it. Now, okay, let me, I just wanted to check one thing since I know this was, this is more of a lengthy one. Just wanted to make sure that we are um, still up and rolling here, which we are. Okay, so moving along. Now, Centers for Disease Control, I just wanted to share this website again. Sorry, I'm going to take a drink of water. It is late and I am hoarse and raspy. (laughs) as I spill water down my face. Hopefully that's a little bit better. Now, CDC, okay, I know it's been difficult with them this week, guys, um, but hang in there with them because although, you know, um, the spokesperson, um, the woman who's who's in charge, um, who made that statement, it was kind of, you know, back and forth. They're doing the best that they can. They are still a really good resource. Um, what you can do um, here on the website is in their search bar, you can put in all kinds of questions that you have on not just COVID, but other diseases. And so much information will come up. And I encourage you to do that, you know, um, get some good information. Next website is National Institutes of Health. This is a great website. You are also able to search the NIH as well. They have tons of published um, research studies on tons and tons of different um, diseases. So definitely get in touch there as well. Now, here's another one that I want to um, bring to your attention. This is the national, this is a part of the National Institutes of Health, but it's actually called genome.gov so if you have a ton of inform uh, i'm sorry a ton of questions 
on viruses in particular like what is a virus and how do they do what they do and why does coronavirus have spikes on it you know this is where you want to be you will get in-depth information on what viruses are like their whole purpose is like viruses like that's the meat of what they do and so right here i'll just um read it says at nhgri we believe that advances in genome research are transforming our understanding of human health and disease building on our leadership role in the initial sequencing of the human genome we collaborate with the scientific and medical communities to enhance genomic technologies that accelerate breakthroughs and improve lives okay so that's their thing you know it says we are charting one of human humankind's newest frontiers so get get in touch there you know they've got lots of great information now coronavirus just kind of going back to what we touched on in the outset it's like coronavirus COVID-19 because sometimes people say coronavirus and say COVID-19 like oh what is all this actually WebMD does a good job of explaining what those two things are what the differences are so what is COVID-19 a coronavirus is a kind of common virus that causes an infection in your nose sinuses and upper throat most coronaviruses aren't dangerous you know certain like common cold or coronaviruses in early 2020 after a December you know outbreak world health World Health Organization identifies SARS-CoV-2 as a new type of coronavirus. The outbreak spread worldwide. So here's the, the gist of it right here. This is the part you want to remember. COVID-19 is a disease caused by SARS-CoV-2 that can trigger that can trigger that doctors call a respiratory what doctors I'm sorry what doctors call call an a respiratory tract infection. Ooh, that was a doozy, guys. I'm sorry. I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> uh, it can affect your upper respiratory tract, sinus, nose, and throat, and or lower respiratory tract, windpipe, and lungs. It spreads the same way other coronaviruses do, mainly through person-to-person -person contact. So don't be freaked out about touching stuff, you know, like... Yes, we still need to wash our hands and stuff, but you're not going to get really SARS, uh, I'm sorry, COVID from, from touching. You You will, but it, it's going to act a different way in your body because it's not inhaled. You know, so if it goes into your mouth, it can, you know, get into like your throat and stuff like that. But it's going to have a harder time getting to your lungs. So it's a little bit different. Okay, so that relieves a little bit of anxiety. Um, there's lots of different types of, of um, SARS-CoV-2 viruses. And then it lists some of the symptoms, you know, the body ache, the sore throat, nausea, diarrhea, all of that. So coronaviruses, okay, um, coronaviruses are what cause COVID-19. And COVID-19 is the disease that comes from SARS-CoV-2, okay? So um, they, they're... they're they're basically kind of the same thing, but not exactly. So if you want farther information on that, um, there's a lot of videos even on YouTube that kind of break down like what is a coronavirus and how does it call, cause COVID-19, okay? Now, there's another video here, which I'm not going to play, 
But it's great because it tells you how the COVID-19 mRNA vaccines work. Now, a little bit on mRNA vaccines. These particular ones for for COVID um, are new. Um, They're the first time that they're ever being used. And I thought that that was actually a myth. But when I I, um, researched this for the first time and then re-researched all this again recently for this episode... That was interesting to me. I was like, oh, I thought that there was other types of mRNA vaccines. Um, There are other things very similar, um, one of which we will get to a little bit later in the episode that has already been used. But it's not the same thing as this. It's just a similar technology, but it's not mRNA. So um, look it up. There's a lot of... um, helpful videos on youtube there's a lot of trash videos on youtube as well about mrna vaccines but there's a lot of good ones that will give you the idea of how they actually work and um if these actually do work well which so far overall i do feel like they are they could actually lead to to some breakthroughs in other types of things um and you know those could be cancers and other types of diseases that they will you know, hopefully eventually be able to vaccinate for. So with more research and more time and all of that jazz. So yeah, um, you know, one thing that's interesting about the mRNA vaccines is, is that they don't actually contain the dead viruses. Some people don't like that because they prefer like a traditional vaccine, you know, um, like, you know, the vaccines that you're vaccinated for as a child or we vaccinate our children for. But um these are kind of nice because they don't have the dead virus in them. Um, and and, and I don't know how much that matters. You know, um, I feel like though, you know, the traditional, um, vaccines, something that's kind of interesting about them is that they do have, um, the dead viruses in them. And some people feel like that makes the body respond, have a better and more, um, natural immune response um and it gets the antibodies up better and everything than the mrna vaccines do that is a very controversial one that is one that in detail i have not um i've dug in a bit but not super super deep so i would encourage you to kind of figure that out for yourself if that's something that is interesting to you um but yeah okay now let's go on to my next point Okay, how long has mRNA vaccination been around? This is on the CDC.gov. mRNA vaccinations have been studied before for flu, Zika, rabies, and CMV. As soon as the necessary information about the virus that causes COVID-19 was available, scientists began designing the mRNA instructions for cells to build up the unique spike protein into the mRNA vaccine. Okay, so basically, in a nutshell, they've been studying these for the flu, Zika, and rabies. So they had some information on how to employ them, but this is the first time that they are actually doing it. Okay, so that might be something you want to consider too. Like, okay, so they've been playing around with these, you know, for a while. Um, there, There is a lot of research on mRNA technology and vaccines and all of that. But this is the first time that is really being employed like this. And it's the first time that um, this huge scale. So like this is, you know, in a nutshell, a massive clinical trial. And this is this is a good thing for scientists because they are going to have so much data on 
how this all works and i think that's probably why they really want to push because this is a very unique opportunity for them to get some really good research and make some really big scientific breakthroughs that again like i mentioned will lead to better stuff to come in the future so yeah but know that you know just due to the situation um it is basically a large trial you know they don't know all the ins and outs of it yet and they just started using this stuff a year ago so some people like to be part of clinical trials you know they really want to get the vaccine right away they're like oh this is awesome i get to be a part of this be a part of history that's encouraging for some people i know a girl she always was signing up um for research studies she took a whole bunch of you know experimental drugs and vaccines and stuff and she also liked the free stuff that she get <laughs> she got excuse me um and that's something to consider too guys like fyi you know um people who who do clinical trials there is compensation involved and and clinical trials are done mostly in part by the the manufacturing body you know the manufacturer the manufacturing company and the scientists involved so some of that preliminary information is going to be biased because they do have a a point which is to sell you know and to help people primarily that's the first goal right is to to stop disease but you know let's be real you know there there is also that underlying factor behind the scenes too so you know that's the reason why for me it's important to wait and see because again when the pharmacy when the company itself like example pfizer does their in-house research studies and studies you know what is happening with what they are creating these other bodies like the cdc the fda um the who all of those are going to give more of the unbiased viewpoint you know they're going to look and see okay this is what you're presenting to me what does so-and-so have to say about it what does so-and-so have to say what does our own research say about it so then you start to get more of a full picture and again with these with the vaccines at the point of where they are at right now they're in a good place but they still aren't there with all of the gathered data we just don't have it all yet just because it's it's no one's fault it's just early you know we're, we're just in the baby stages of it all so thank you all for those who have um joined up to be a part of the research studies and those who are part of the um larger research study um who have elected to go ahead and take the vaccine although it hasn't been fully cleared yet thank you um we'll definitely get some great information um from that and everything now um a little bit more information here this is a good one on um biomedicalcentral.com it is a dot com so you know so you got to kind of be take it all with a grain of salt there but it is a reputable source and what they're talking about here is how these mrna vaccinations you know eventually will be able to help you know they hope with like um things like cancer and, and other things like that um they do mention the you know a couple other things that par portions of mrna technologies have been employed for uh, i'm sorry employed in like the gardasil vaccine although the gardasil vaccine to my knowledge is not an mrna vaccination it's just um similar development technologies and um science was involved in um developing that one so another question for you who developed 
mRNA vaccines. Like who was the person who was like, I want to come up with an mRNA vaccine. I got the answer for you. I've got the answer for you. Her name. Let me say that again. Her name is Caitlin Caribo. I didn't do that right. You guys, I'm really tired. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But I had to get this done because I've been putting it off. I'm going to try that name again. It's Caitlin Carrico. I got it right that time. Thank you. She is a senior president, senior vice president at BioNTech, overseeing its mRNA work. And here she's pictured, if you're watching this um, on YouTube, in her home office in Rydal, Pennsylvania. Okay. And let me just kind of give you a, a little bit of backstory on this remarkable woman. Now, I will say this, you know, I have my reservations about, you know, all of this, you know, the whole situation. But the fact that we've got a chick on the job, you know, I'm pro girl on this on this podcast. I'm all about the chicks, man. The fact that we've got a woman scientist leading the the discovery of these mRNA vaccinations, that does excite me because let's face it, women are better at making certain decisions they're a little bit more detailed they ask more questions we're better at the what if guys just kind of like push ahead and like oh this is what we're doing they don't consider all those little fine nuances that we do so that makes me feel better and if you notice and this is just my observation that is based on nothing but my feeling if you notice people seem to be doing a little bit better with the Pfizer vaccine, right? Like they're doing a little bit better. That's just me, my observation. You may know someone who dropped dead from the Pfizer vaccine, but um, I'm just giving you what I know. And the Moderna right now, which I believe, don't quote me, um, I could be wrong, but I believe mostly that is a guy in charge of that one. I can't remember his name or if he is actually the main person. Um, it's people are having a little bit more reactions um, with that one at the moment. And again, I know nothing. OK, but I like her and I like the fact that she developed this whole technology. Now, let me go back and give you a little bit of information on her. OK, so it says before messenger RNA was a multi-billion dollar idea. It was a science back scientific backwater and for the Hungarian-born scientist behind a key mRNA discovery, it was a career dead end. Caitlin Carrico spent the 1990s collecting rejections. Her work attempting to harness the power of mRNA to fight disease was too far-fetched for government grants, corporate funding, and even support from her own colleagues. It all made sense on paper. In the natural world, the body relies on millions of tiny proteins to keep itself alive and healthy, and it uses mRNA to tell cells which proteins to make. If you could design your own mRNA, you could, in theory, hijack that process and create any protein you might desire. Antibodies to vaccinate against infection enzymes to reverse a rare disease or growth agents to mend damaged heart tissue 
1990, researchers at the University of Wisconsin managed to make it work in mice. Kariko wanted to go further. The problem, she knew, was that synthetic RNA was notoriously vulnerable to the body's natural defenses, meaning it would likely be destroyed before reaching its target cells. And worse, the resulting biological havoc might stir up an immune response that could make the therapy a health risk for some patients. Okay? Think about all that I just read. Think about that. What did I just say to you? Pause it and rewind it if you need to. That's how you got to make a decision. Okay, so so, you know, that's what the situation was with the mRNA in the 90s. Of course, now it's progressed a lot. And the scientists, you know, um, on this, you know, kind of warp speed project have really worked and they've got all the funding there to make it happen quickly. Because, again, look, she could have probably been at this point in the 90s if she had the money, you know, so there is a lot of truth. To the fact that yes these these vaccines yes they are rushed but they kind of need to be right like we're in a pandemic we don't actually have you know a, another choice um but you know funding you know if you don't have the money to fund all these projects it's it's not going to happen so but in any way though i just want you to understand you know you know what i just read you know um about the mr about the RNA and that's RNA um, mRNA is different than RNA but um, she knew you know that there could be a, a biological um, mix-up or stir up that could cause an immune response and that is the whole point of any type of um, vaccination is they want to stir up an immune response they want your body to produce those antibodies and when your body is in that state you are a bit vulnerable you need to understand that if you don't look it up okay like you know when you are going through any type of illness your antibodies are up Okay, you are producing that immune response and you want to do that when you have to do it, but you don't want your body revved up all the time for no reason either. Just like I always mention, if you're sick all the time, address your health because getting sick all the time, your antibodies are up, your body is revved up. That's not good. Even if it's just a flu, you know, it's not good to be in a state like that all the time. So um, let's press on here. She says it was a real obstacle and still maybe, but Carico was convinced it was one that she could work around. Few shared her confidence. Every night I was working, Grant, 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 Carico remembered referring to her efforts to obtain funding. And it always came back. No, no, no. By 1995, after six years on the faculty at the University of Pennsylvania, Carico got demoted. Okay. She had been on the path to full professorship, but with no money coming in to support her work on mRNA, her bosses saw no point in pressing on. She was back to the lower rungs of the scientific academy. Usually at that point, people just say goodbye and leave because it's so horrible, Kariko said. There's no opportune time for demotion, but in 1995, uh, she had already begun it was becoming um, very difficult. Carico had recently endured a cancer scare and her husband was stuck in Hungary sorting out a visa issue. 
Now the work to which she devoted countless hours were slipping through her fingers. I thought I was going somewhere else or to do something else, Kariko said. I also thought maybe I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I tried to imagine everything is here and I just have to do better experiments. In time, those better experiments came together. After a decade of trial and error, error Kariko and her longtime collaborator at Penn, Drew Wiseman, an immunologist with a medical degree and PhD from Boston University, discovered a remedy for mRNA's Achilles heel. The stumbling block, as Kariko's Many grant rejectors pointed out was that the injecting synthetic mRNA typically led to that vexing immune response. The bodies sensed a chemical intruder and went into war. The solution Kariko and Reisman discovered was the biological equivalent of swapping out a tire. Every strand of mRNA is made up of four molecular building blocks called nucleosides. But in its altered synthetic form, one of those building blocks, like a misaligned wheel on a car, was throwing everything off by signaling the immune system. So Carico and Wiseman simply subbed it out for a slightly weakened version, creating a hybrid mRNA that could sneak into cell cells without alerting the body's defenses. I'd like to know how exactly they did that. That's fascinating to me. How'd you do it? What'd you swap? You know, because all this stuff is like, you know, um, proteins and fat cells and all those little things, you know, under a microscope. I want to know exactly what they did. Like I, you know, this is like the layman's version, but I would like to know, like, how did that look under a microscope? Sorry, I need to take a drink of water. Okay, moving on. That was a key discovery, said Norbert Party, an assistant professor of medicine at Penn and frequent collaborator. Carrico and Wiseman figured out that if you incorporate modified nucleosides into mRNA, you kill two birds with one stone. That's how they did it. See that? We just asked, asked a question and we immediately got the answer. I like that. That discovery described in a series of scientific papers starting in 2005 largely flew under the radar at first, said Wiseman, but it offered solution to the mRNA researchers who had kept faith during the technology's lean years. And it was the starter pistol for the vaccine sprints to come. And even though the studies by Carrico and Weissman went unnoticed by some, they caught the attention of two key scientists, one in the United States, another abroad, who would later help found Moderna and Pfizer's future partner, BioNTech. Derek Rossi, a native of Toronto who rooted from the maple leaves and sported a soul patch, was a 39-year-old postdoctoral fellow in stem cell biology at Stanford University in 2005. When he read the first paper, not only did he recognize its groundbreaking, recognize it as it as groundbreaking, he now says Carrico and Wiseman deserve the Nobel Prize in chemistry. If they don't have it by now, they probably will. If anybody asked me whom to vote for someday down the line, I would put them front and center, he said. That fundamental discovery is going to go into medicines that help the world. Okay. 
But Rossini didn't have vaccines on his mind when he set out to build their build on their findings in 2007 as a new assistant professor at Harvard Medical School running his own lab. He wondered whether modified messenger RNA might hold the key to obtaining something else researchers desperately wanted, a new source of embryonic stem cells. Okay. Well, that's another thing that um, some people don't like about some of the vaccines is that um, I do believe that um, to um, have the stem cells in them in a modified version. So we may get a little bit of insight on that here. The stem cell portion of it, I did not really break down um, too much for myself as well. Um, so we'll see what we get. Let's press on. In a feat of biological alchemy, embryonic stem cells can turn into any type of cell in the body. That gives them the potential to treat a dizzying array of conditions from Parkinson's disease to spinal cord injuries. It's always those those little motherly things. I tell you, the placenta, the stem cells, I mean, it's just incredible. But using those cells for research had created an ethical firestorm because they are harvested from discarded embryos. Very interesting, you know. How do we feel about that? How do you feel about that? Some people really don't like that, okay? Rossi thought he might be able to sidestep the controversy. He would use modified messenger molecules to reprogram adult cells so that they acted like embryonic stem cells. He asked a postdoctoral fellow in his lab to explore the idea. In 2009, after more than a year of work, the postdoc waved Rossi over to a microscope. Rossi peered through the lens and saw something extraordinary, a plate full of very cells he had hope of the very cells he had hoped to create rossi excitedly informed his colleague tim springer another professor at harvard medical school and bio and a biotech entrepreneur recognizing the commercial potential springer contacted robert langer the prolific inventor and biomedical engineering professor at the massachusetts massachusetts Institute of Technology. On a May afternoon in 2010, Rossi and Springer visited Langer in at his laboratory in Cambridge. What happened at the two-hour meeting and the days that followed has become the stuff of legend and ego-bruising squabble. Okay, so they get into this uh, squabble and um you know they basically are just arguing about you know some things like what it should be called and a couple of other things and um the article really does go on it's a great article we have now a picture of robert langer here um and he's a prolific inventor at mit and biomedical engineering professor and is a moderna co-founder so i was right i i feel like i had seen his name and some stuff i was looking up i couldn't remember if he was like the lead guy at moderna um but he is but again our leading lady is over at pfizer and i like that so um anyway this article is excellent it's on statnews.com it's a whole um write up on um everybody involved in this and i think that it is an excellent read i will have it linked it you know kind of gives the breakthrough of 
all the leading people um, involved with this mRNA technology, their backstories and everything. And I hope you enjoyed me reading that long blurb. I, I read a lot of that, but I think it's great information. Okay, now. Sorry, I had to take another drink again. I told you, man, this 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 COVID update, this COVID podcast, this is this is a labor of love here, guys. This is heavy. This is heavy. I'm tired, okay? I am exhausted. <laughs> okay. All right. So now let me just kind of let's get back into some other stuff and and believe it or not, um I know this has been like forever of an episode um but we are nearing the end thank you for hanging in there with me (laughs) i hope you are finding this to be informative and interesting and you know something that can help you make your decisions okay so now i told you at the end of this video i was going to share you know my how i am handling the situation hi how I am dealing with the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic and the anxiety around, you know, catching it and being in a pandemic and the vaccines, like my thought, you know, and my my decision. So let me start by saying this. This is just my what I'm doing. I think that I've done a, a halfway decent job of presenting the information in today's podcast and and as unbiased way as I possibly can. And um, that's all I'm about. I'm about fairness and, and being unbiased and being transparent. And even if we don't agree or you make a different decision, I'm cool with you. You know, I'm cool with it. And I hope you'll be cool with me too. Okay. So for me, COVID has forced me and my family to do a lifestyle change. When I went through my risk assessment, when I laid it all out and drew it all out on paper, like I encouraged you to do on this podcast, the deep information that it led me to and the questions that it raised told me that this is something that I'm going to have to to adapt as a lifestyle. This isn't just, oh, I'm going to get through this and immediately go back to exactly the way things were. I understand based on the research that I have done that this moment in human history has been a game changer. It will be a very long time. And I dare I say, if ever, I hope it, it will get back 100% to the thing to wait the way that things were. But um, this has been a game changer. This has been a shift and um i am operating with that mindset that um i have to change my lifestyle to adapt to the things around me that i have no control over i don't have control over covid i didn't do this somebody else did ew we didn't do it and you didn't either you know and it's not good to to blame people and point the fingers and be mean and, and and target people in public that's nuts okay so you know here's the thing for me the vaccine people say i don't want it cuz it's rush i get that um it had to be because we don't have 7 years to wait to go through the whole process like a normal vaccine okay and that's no one's fault but the scientists are working from a place of controlled panic. And it is because we are in a pandemic. Like usually what happens is they develop these things for future use and in prevention of things to come. But 
this happened and they had to do it in the moment. So they are coming from a place of, you know, panic for me. Um, I feel, you know, of course, they're not like, oh, my God. But like they have to hurry up and get this done. And what happens when we hurry? We make little mistakes, right? This is just human nature. I'm not slamming the scientists. I still trust the research that they've done. There's decades behind this stuff. But I'm just saying because of the situation that we are in a pandemic right now with the vaccine rollout, you know, getting all of the facilities, getting all the staffing to do it, getting all the PPE, everything that needs to be done, it's rushed. And if you want to argue that, you can, but it has to be rushed because we're in a pandemic. And I'm not mad at the scientists. I'm just saying that's a situation. So I understand that when something is rushed, you are going to lose a little bit of quality. Now, that's not necessarily quality of the vaccines. It can be. And case in point is what we saw at Johnson and Johnson and all that stuff had to be recalled. And then there was the one dummy who, you know, was working at a facility and was like, I'm going to just leave these out of the refrigerator because I don't want to put them in. So then there was a bunch of corrupted vaccines. It's just messy. You know what I'm saying? It's just messy and it's rushed. Not, you know, I've explained it enough. You get what I'm saying. It's no one's fault, but just the nature of any time you have to rush, there is going to be error. Just like when you're working on your job, you work most efficiently when you take your time, right? You lay out everything, you organize everything, you get it all together, and then you're able to work well. So um, it is. And so that has given me a little bit of pause okay and of course the scientists they have all the information and and they are going to withhold some information because they don't want to create worldwide panic you know and i think that's probably what i would do if i were a scientist working in lab i'd tell my scientist friends and like the people who needed to know and i'd be like don't tell anyone else because they're gonna freak out and uh it is what it is right so that doesn't freak me out that doesn't freak me out um Okay, let's see where we are here. Uh, So we have no other alternatives. Okay, they're doing the scientists are doing what they should be doing. They should be working at a frantic pace um, to figure this all out. Um, They're not trying to do population control or, or put microchips in us or any other craziness like that. Um, so although I trust the scientists and the doctors, and I really do feel that most people who take the shot will be fine. Most people are going to be fine, you know, for now, anyway, time will tell what the long-term effects are. We don't know. Okay. For me though, I do have an autoimmune disorder called Hajimoto's. Okay. And it has taken me years to get my Hajimoto's under control. I have been able to do that through diet and lifestyle changes. And I feel so much better. And I don't want anything throwing off my vibe that I got going on right now. Now, on the other side of that argument, though, if I got COVID, that could throw it off, too. So you can't just attack the vaccines like they're poison like they are the enemy you know anything can upset your body and for me 
I'm not just looking at the vaccines as an anti-vaxxer. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's just something that could upset my body. Just like I'm non-dairy. That could upset my body. Like it hurts me. It's painful if I have dairy products. So for me, the vaccine could be the same thing like that. It could make me as someone in the autoimmune community. Shout out if you're autoimmune. It could make me, it could make us have a big inflammatory response and bring out everything that I've been taking years to suppress. And then I will have to start that process all over again. And it could take longer if I have to do that again and and figure out how to get that all back in balance and once you start feeling good, when you work through your autoimmune, you you don't want to upset that, okay? So for me, I avoid COVID like the plague because I'm like, that could throw off my body. And I also am a little cautious right now still with the vaccines as well because that could also throw off my autoimmune body, okay? Now, um, one of my favorite books says, Shrewd is the one that considers his steps. So I always like that. And that passage has always stood out in my mind. Shrewd, you know, what does shrewd mean? If you don't know what shrewd means, look it up. Um, But it's good to think about what we're doing and think about it in detail and think about it for a long time. Don't feel like you gotta do it right now. You don't have to take the vaccine right now just because you see people doing it. And I'm seeing less people doing like it was like a little bit of a rush. And now I don't see very many people posting that they're getting the vaccine. And that just is what it is. Okay. Um, so, so take the time. You know, don't feel like you have to do it immediately. Now, that's going to be different for everybody. Like you may have to make that decision if your job is, you know, requiring it. Maybe you are a frontline worker. If I were a nurse, like I would probably be like rolling my arm up for the jab because you are at high risk of being exposed. Guys, I'm in my house constantly and I like don't actually even want to see <laughs> anyone because I'm just over all of it so I am at a pretty low risk because I am acting right I'm not one of those people like I don't do anything and then they do like everything they're like hey I went over here I did this I did that and then I had a party at my house and no one wore a mask yeah no that's not me um I am following the guidelines I am masking I am double masking half the time I am you know all kinds of things so yeah um let's see where was i here okay so that's that's kind of where i'm at right now so you know i just for me you know i'm a firm believer in vaccines all my my babies they have gotten their vaccines you know their preliminaries that everyone gets as a baby and i'm fine with those and i researched those in detail too before i gave them to my kids and the research is sound like it's fine you know Um, But for this, because it is still very new technology and my particular body likes to freak out, I'm waiting and um, I'm watching, I'm waiting, I'm hoping that everything will be fine for myself and everyone. But just what from what I've gathered for for medicines and vaccines, there seems to be about a five year term um, that kind of 
you know, they, they come out with it. And then like five years later, they've worked all the kinks out. It like works really well for everyone. And um, case in point, again, um, Gardasil, if you recall, and some of you may have even gotten gotten the, the Gardasil vaccine when it first came out, women were having legit issues from Gardasil, man. I know one like she had to go on can't she was on crutches because Gardasil messed up her um, nervous system so bad she couldn't even have walk. So um, Gardasil has was when it first came out that first year it was problematic for people and then five years or so passed and it was legit like you know some people still you know they may have little reactions here or there but it's pretty sound now so you know i'm i'm about waiting you know i'm like why you know i i just don't feel for myself personally the rush to get it right now now someone's got to get it right so again for those of you who've already gotten it you're you're helping research go that much farther faster and i appreciate you for doing it um and we should all be grateful for the people who are like i'm getting it right now we're thankful for you guys okay but i'm gonna wait it's gonna be several years before i partake of any of of these um vaccines just because i i feel that that's the best thing for my body um now let's move on though okay um the way i kind of feel is like this whole covid situation it's like being at a bad all-you-can-eat buffet now i love myself a good all-you-can-eat buffet like i actually miss going out and picking out at the buffet <laughs> but you know when you go to like a bad buffet it's like rushed there's a ton of people in line the chocolate fountain has like random hairs floating in it like you know it's just gross because there's just too many people involved and they're bringing the food out too quick some of it's undercooked you know some of it's just like doesn't even have all the sauce on it because again there's so many people there at the buffet at one time that it's just rushed and I just feel like that's what this whole COVID situation is it's just all rushed and again it's no one's fault but you know I just I just can't be a part of the rush guys I gotta just kind of chill that just helps me and my anxiety and my process is just chill and um so like that buffet it's all food it's all good food it's not gonna really hurt you right even the fact that it's like been breathed on got hair in it and all that but it's just messy and that's what I just feel like this whole situation is right now with COVID um, it's just a bit of a mess because we get conflicting information. Um, we get, you know, just there's just a large margin for human error that happens in any corporation. Um, human error is just a thing that happens. It happens in medical practice all the time. So there's just a large, a large scale for that right now. And I just don't want to be a part of that. Um so again, another thing for me, because I am autoimmune, that in itself makes me at higher risk for developing certain cancers. So if you're autoimmune, know that if you have some of those cancer genes, know that that also probably puts you into the autoimmune category as well. So be cautious because, you know, 
with cancer, it's all about accumulated risk factors. The more risk factors you accumulate, the more likely you are to get it. So it's not that a COVID vaccine would directly give you cancer. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what it can do is add to your add ups your risks. So maybe one risk was that you were like randomly exposed to like radioactive waste at one point in your life. And then you also, you know, consume a ton of dairy products or eat candy nonstop. All of those are risk factors for, for cancer. Even those small things that we do, breathing and drinking are also risk factors for cancer. So we got to take that with a grain of salt, but also at the same time, understand that it is a valid concern. It's a valid reason to be cautious about getting a vaccine because it is going to go into your pool of calculated risk factors for developing cancer later. So for me, that's another reason why I'm I'm chilling at the minute. Okay. Um so again, let me go back into my my lifestyle, how we've changed our lifestyle. So for us, um because we we understand that COVID is going to be here for a while and I hope they're able to get it under wraps by like 2022 that would be awesome but I'm preparing just in case they don't and we've decided that we are going to be permanently homeschooling our kids so again like you don't have to worry about my kids that are unvaccinated like messing up your kids that are vaccinated because they're just not even going to be there um, so that's my due diligence I understand that I am making a choice that could negatively impact others so I'm going to stay away like I'm not gonna you know put others at risk um if anything the most people that are at risk are actually us like myself you know by by not being vaccinated so um so school so we're that was a lifestyle change and i'm enjoying it i used to teach before i'm enjoying teaching i enjoy our nature days i i enjoy that um so another thing that we've committed to is no gatherings at our home it's just not going to happen until this COVID situation is straight up over. Um, there won't be um, any gatherings at our home are going to any completely enclosed areas. That is a hard no for me. I'm not getting in your car. I am not going in your home. I actually don't even go to the grocery store. So I'm pretty strict. Okay. And not everybody can do that. Sometimes you, you got to go to the grocery store. Okay. So I understand. I really understand. Okay. Um, so we're settling into this new, like kind of weird life. Right. And, you know, I understand that others are going to have privileges that I might not. Others might, you know, go travel. Some people may say, you know what? I want to go see my family, you know? And so although I'm scared of the vaccine, I'm going to risk it or whatever. I understand. I understand. This is really a hard situation for all of us, you know? So, um, you know, I understand that I'm, I may, we may miss out on some things. And I even had a conversation with my mom. We understand that we may never see each other in person again. She has some serious health issues that aren't related to COVID. Um, things that really put her, her, her survival um, at risk right now. She's in a good place. But um, I understand and she understands and we're okay with it. Um, we feel like that is the safest thing to do is for both of us, you know, to stay put. So we're staying put, you know, we're just staying put. Um, but if you're not going to stay put, okay, 
get the vaccine. <laughs> like if you're going to be like, I want to get the vaccine, it's scary. But then you're going to go everywhere and hack and cough and breathe on everyone. Then get the vaccine. You're at a better, you know, it's calculated risk, right? Like you're, you're better off doing that than like not and risking yourself and others. So, you know, you got to be responsible, like whichever choice you make. And with my choice, I feel not getting vaccinated. There is an added level of responsibility to oneself and their family, but then also to the community. And I'm willing to do it. And I will. And I am, you know, so. Um, so I wanted to share this because, you know, I think it's hard for some people when they get into these social settings. You know, we have virtual meetings on Zoom and people talk about, oh, I got the vaccine today or, you know, sharing pictures on social media. And I think it's OK to do that. But for people who don't know how to make a sound decision and aren't comfortable with the decisions that they make because they can't, you know, they just it's hard for them to really make a decision totally on their own for those people I think it's hard for them to see that because it could sway their decision and they may do something they don't actually want to do because they feel like oh this person that I like is doing it so maybe it's not so bad and maybe I'd be okay you know which you probably will but still make the best decision for you you know so I think it's important to also get out like a non-biased like different viewpoint of someone who isn't taking the vaccines right now just so that you know people people can also connect with that and feel like okay I'm not the only one who's not taking the vaccine you know what I mean we all want to feel good about that okay um now if you recall this is a random side note we're we're so basically what I'm trying to say is with our new like like life we're going to be cautious moving forward. Even if COVID is over in 2022, we're still going to be cautious on some things. Homeschooling is still going to continue. Um, limited exposure to people. Like I don't see myself going to like a massive event or like I used to go out, we go dancing, you know, and, and stuff like that. I don't really want to be anywhere where people are going to be breathing <laughs> profusely in close quarters anymore. I'm just freaked out and grossed out by it. And the reason I am like that is because I did some research on this whole situation with SARS. So this 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 isn't the first COVID has been around for a while and there was previous outbreaks. So if you recall back in 2003, many of us were actually still in school. But there was a mild epidemic um, that was SARS. It was mainly just confined to Asia. Uh, 8,000 people came down with it. And it was like, oh, there's that SARS thing over there. But that's over there. It's like not affecting us. Who cares? And then in 2012, MERS came out. Then swine flu came after that. Swine flu was weird. Remember swine flu? Just like swine flu. The pigs are giving it to us. Do I not eat pork? I love ribs. <laughs> I am so tired, guys. I am exhausted. I am so sorry. Um, but then a decade later, okay, we end up in the pandemic that we're in. So basically what I'm saying is these things don't go away. What happens is so SARS, it was like, oh, okay, SARS, we got that under control. And then it became swine flu and all this other stuff. And but then it it goes dormant and it's almost like it gets angry. And again, this I know absolutely nothing, guys. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Like I'm just a geek that's sitting here geeking out on this stuff. So 
say or do what you want do your research but this is what it appears to be to me is that these diseases they just kind of fade a bit and they morph into something more yucky and if you recall so SARS was like not that big of a deal but the swine flu was like way bigger you know and then now look at where we're at we're in this one with with COVID which again it's all in that coronavirus family okay causing the respiratory issues don't call for breathe on me. Okay. That huffing and puffing. Don't do it. Get away. Now. I said all that to say this. Even if they get. And when they get. I'm going to be hopeful and say. You know. They'll get it under control. There's other diseases out there. That we still need to be on guard against. That could potentially do the same thing. Case in point. Ebola. So if Ebola first came out in the 90s, they even made a movie about it. I remember seeing that like like in my early 20s and just being like, oh, like it just freaked me out. Like, no, it's so deadly. Like, it's so deadly. So let's think about this. SARS, you know, it, it had that build up. Ebola has been doing the same thing, guys. So Ebola came out in the 90s. It was like confined, you know, to this very small pocketed West North African like community. And it like wasn't it was confined. It was just there. But remember now, things have progressed so much. And then now we get to this massive outbreak that they had in 2014 to 2016. And Again, it was out in the 90s, right? So it was out and then it chilled. It went dormant. And when it went dormant, it got angry and more advanced because it was still brewing under the scenes. It was still in the background doing its thing. It just wasn't out. And then we got the 2014-2016 Ebola outbreak that did become global. Okay, as you recall, there were some people in Italy who died. There was a gentleman who was taken here to the National Institutes of Health, which I used to live not too far from. He ended up passing away and the nurse that um, helped him. Thankfully, she lived. I was so happy when she lived, guys, if you remember. Um, so that that was encouraging. But anyway, what I'm saying is it's coming back. Okay, Ebola is going to come back. I feel that. Call me crazy if you will. Change the channel. Hang it up. Do what you got to do. This is just what I think. I think Ebola could come back in a similar way again as, you know, we got it with cars right now. Uh, cars. <laughs> COVID right now where it's like a massive problem. And if that happens, y'all... It's going to be a hot mess. It's going to be a hot mess because Ebola is the opposite of coronavirus. Coronavirus still has, and there's varying you know, opinions on this, but let's just say a 90% survival rate. Ebola's got like a 90% death rate. You get that joint, you're done. Game over, okay? So, yeah. Now, the, the death rates are higher um, because, it, you know, to the, at this point in time, it's only been in the, the West African countries. And um, although it was mostly um, Democratic Republic of Congo and um, Congo, unlike the rest of West Africa. And I hate lumping all those countries in like that. That's not right. Ghana, Nigeria, those are very like 
they're so nice like everything there is very much progressed and very similar to many states that we live in here in the united states um but democratic republic of congo has had some issues and has been kind of the the epicenter of the ebola um and there are some um you know factors economic factors you know you have people who live communally you know more than one or two people living in a house larger families and so the disease is spread um much more quickly and then less access to things um like the the um uh hydration fluids and things that are given intravenously that help help uh, prevent that um so that is why the death rate is super high. I would predict that if that did become a global pandemic like um, COVID-19 is right now, we wouldn't see as high a death rate. It probably still have like a 60% death rate though. And it's highly contagious. I mean, COVID, you get that just by breathing in somebody's air that's got it, you know, or breathing in air. And maybe they were there five minutes ago and you would know when you breathed it in, whatever. But with with uh, Ebola, like it lives on surfaces. It's like saliva and mucus. So like if someone actually did like cough on a surface and you touched it and then touched your mouth, like it is highly contagious. Like so then we'd have to be masking and gloving and like just psycho. Like I can't even. So. That is another reason why for me, um, this pandemic has taught me anything is possible. And, you know, um, just to be a little bit more on guard about um, these communicable diseases, unfortunately, where we're at in human history. Now, um, I know that's a bit grim. I'm not trying to be like that, but I'm also a realist and it's possible. You know, usually they're very good about controlling the Ebola virus outbreaks because they know that that joint is no joke like they're like on top of it so I I I don't think it's it's a huge possibility but I think it's a possibility and so that's the reason why I feel that way why I am going to be adopting a more um you know simpler uh lifestyle spending more time in nature away from people um if let's say covid is totally over i will still be doing smaller groups of people like you know let's say it's like 2024 and covid is a thing in the past i won't be having like massive gatherings i don't want to be in a massive um gathering like that again um just because i think with just the way things are, smaller gatherings for the future are, are just going to be better. Um, now, why is this happening? Like, why are we having these pandemics? Ask yourself that. Like, why is this happening? Why? Um, there's a couple reasons. Number one, um, I, I do feel that, you know, we are building up to some events that, have never been seen before in human history. I think the future holds some very interesting things. Um, there's lots of information on that and lots of things to be said, but I, I do um, firmly believe that. So that's one reason um, we're, we're building up, you know, we're building up um, towards something quite significant that will, that will change everything. The second reason 
is globalization. Okay, what do I mean by that? Now, if you live in Australia, you could be in Canada in the same day. Okay, and that is why I have a problem when people are like, COVID is just like the Spanish flu. Let me tell you why it's not like the Spanish flu. Because when the Spanish flu was out, less than 5% of the world's population flew on airplanes in 1920. Okay, like there were no commercial airplanes. Most people traveled by boat and most people couldn't even afford to do that. So people weren't as mobile and that is why we have these pandemics. Everyone is everywhere. Anyone, for the most part, can afford to travel. And if you really look at it, when these um, pandemics started really getting out of control, if you look at a historical timeline, around 1990 was really when everybody was able to afford to travel. Prior to like 90, it a lot of people did travel, but it still was something that most a lot of people, I will say, could not afford to do. So we were more localized to our countries. But in the 90s, you know, like the economy, you know, started thriving. Things were just, it's just awesome now. Like the future, like we progressed so much. This is great. But the thing that comes with that is now that everybody could afford to travel since the 90s, that is when we see these uptick upticks in pandemics so you know prior to that prior to the 90s think about it how many pandemics were there prior to 1990 not very many right and again airplanes we love them but they are like bacteria carriers and they carry it here there and everywhere at like record speed man like so it just goes all those germs all that bacteria y'all could tell i'm I'm like a, a clean freak right i like i don't like yucky stuff but um so yeah so that's why and so since 90 we've seen these upticks in pandemics so we're gonna keep seeing that because we can all afford to travel internationally and that's a beautiful thing you know i traveled I, I love traveling i love traveling like this has been hard for me being in the pandemic because i love being out i love people before the pandemic i was that party girl like i always had a party at our house like having people over is my favorite thing to do um it's my favorite way to get to know people by having them over you know or going to their home you know doing activities together so it's almost weird to me that I've made this shift into like small groups and, and like not wanting to like get into doing large gatherings again. But, you know, I have to make that self-assessment, right? And say, you know what, this is what I like to do and this is what I love to get back to doing. But is that actually the best thing to do? And for me, it's not. So I'm just like, hey, this is what it's going to be. I'm going to roll with that. I'm going to make it fun. I've been enjoying lots of fun virtual events. Um, our JW ladies have been doing so many and like it's so fun. So, you know, um, there's so many things to do and we can still enjoy nature, guys. Get out in it safely. You know, you can hike away from people and there's so much fresh air out there as long as you got some air blowing around. They've already came out and said that as long as you got your mask on and you're out in a wide open area in nature, 
you're good. You're not at risk. You're good. Enjoy the fresh air. Get out of the house. So we do a lot of nature excursions, you know, in my family. And um, we keep it very safe. You know, we will, you know, there's some drop-offs that have happened. You know, I, I, I may take, you know, a particular item to someone. I don't even greet them. I just leave it and text them when I've left it. You know what I mean? So I'm just very um, like that. So, yeah. Guys, if you have managed to get through this entire episode, kudos to you because you have had a psychotic freak talking your head off for like well over an hour, I think, maybe even two. I don't even know. I'm exhausted. But I wanted to do this and I wanted to do it because I think it's important to people right now. It's important to me. And yeah, I, I just hope that it is helpful to you. Um, I hope you um, appreciate the information. I hope you are empowered to make a good decision for yourself. And know this, no matter what decision you make, I ain't going to be mad at you because we're just living in wild times and we're all doing the best that we can. That's all. That's all. I respect your viewpoint. I hope you respect mine that, you know, I won't be taking the vaccines. Um, at this point, anyway, I'm not completely opposed. Like in the future, you know what I said, give, give it five years. I'll be like, OK, go right ahead. Um, and if that Ebola breaks out, I'm going to be first in line. As a matter of a fact, I'll be running y'all over. Jab me with that vaccine in the booty where it is going to do its thing. Like I want that vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like not an anti-vaxxer definitely like the risks you know with with ebola would definitely be far higher um so you would it would be in everyone's vet best interest to take that vaccine that that should be like a mandatory one crying out loud but um anyway let me not go down a black hole of rambling about that so I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I have been meeting so many um, amazing small business owners, entrepreneurs, women, ladies, young girls, moms, grandmas, all of you, man. Just, yeah, like, this is awesome. So, all right, ladies, I want to thank you so much for listening to Work It Mommy. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next episode.